Hi, all. These are generally conversations between adults after the children have left the table. The language can be spicy, and the subjects can get saucy. So if you're ready, this is the Southern Fork. Unscripted kitchen chats, and also studio chats, with some of the most interesting voices in the culinary South. I'm Stephanie Burt, a food and beverage writer based in Charleston, South Carolina, who travels with her fork to write for a variety of publications, from magazines you might have on your coffee table to the website you love to visit for your favorite recipes. And I'm inviting you to come behind the scenes with me to get to know the people who make this Southern culinary landscape so special. I'm always hungry for the next bite, thirsty for that next sip, and ready for the next conversation. Let's dig in. Now, any time is a good time for a plate of collard greens and a biscuit, okay? Restaurant work is hard work. It's long hours, hot cooking into hot cleanup, over a dishwasher steaming with every round. And then there's the service, the planning, the ordering, the management, and that bill paying. But that game becomes even harder when you're the only one playing it. Angie Bellinger of Workman's Cafe on James Island, South Carolina, is a one-woman show of soul food greatness tucked into a small white building just off Folly Road, where the sound of beach traffic mingles with semis whizzing past. Even now, long after development, there are fields just around the corner where cicadas shed their skin on long blades of grass, and when the breeze is right, you can still catch a whiff of the salt air over the Stono River. From butter beans to fried chicken, pork chops to collard greens, Angie's known for it, but it may be the spirit of care she puts into her cooking that keeps the doorbell ringing more than anything else. Welcome to the Southern Fork, Angie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Well, thank you for letting me come sneak into Workman's Cafe on a Monday where I just had to move my car so that people didn't keep trying to come in the door when they saw a car in the parking lot. This is how popular this food is cooked by this woman. But um, we are sitting here socially distanced, about eight feet apart inside an empty restaurant. And this restaurant has been here since on Grimble Road, right? Since 2001? 2001. Okay. Now, you closed three years during the recession. Yes. But um, you've been back open ever since. And um, we met over a plate of collard greens <laughs> at the Southeastern Wildlife Exposition this year. Yeah. Um, and of course, I used to live right around the corner in two different locations. Okay. So okay. I, I was right here all the time, oh, you wow. know. Um, okay. But it's a long, hot summer. It is. And you it is. are not just the bottle washer. 
You're the cook. The cook. And this is the dog days of summer, really, yes. for yes. cooking. And you're not really known for the light fare. I mean, you're really known for those ribs. Right. Yeah. The pork chop, <laughs> right. which right. I think mac and cheese, people would lose it if those went off the menu i know oh my gosh yes 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 so that's hot cooking yes that is hot cooking about how many hours a day are you in the kitchen when when this place is open um cooking i would say about five five to six hours in the kitchen cooking Mm -hmm. yeah i usually get in here about six o'clock and i open at 11 so i'm in the kitchen cooking the entire time and uh, but my total hours during the day, my day starts at about five in the morning, and it ends at about. On a good day, it would end about six o'clock. So you have lunch service, maybe. Yes. Right. Yes. yes. Um, but that lunch is really, really popular. Has been for years, especially with construction workers. Correct. As yeah. James Island has blossomed with oh my a gosh, ton yes. of construction oh, yes, yes. you have just fed all of them i feel like <laughs> it feels like it. and lots of times there's no room to like turn this you're right on this really sharp curve right, right here right. um you know i think what's so interesting to people that aren't from this area or aren't from um this specific part of the low country is the idea that um, James Island and the sea islands, James Island is, was one of the classic sea islands right. before it became the bedroom community for exactly. downtown Charleston. Yeah. And before it became on the way to Folly beach, right. it was very much the country out here. Right, exactly. And this is a huge Island, but we're sitting in the middle of what is a traditional African-American community Correct, right here? Uh, when we moved over here, I was 13. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you're correct, because when we moved over here, that was 1975. Mm-hmm. And not nearly half of what's here now was here when I moved over here. Right. And, um, but everybody was just, when I moved, moved over, when my mom and I moved over here, it was, everybody was just working. You know, folks were working during the summer. You saw kids in the, in the road riding bicycles. But, and during the summer as well, we had, we were surrounded by tomato fields and cabbage fields. So it was just busy. Mm-hmm. I mean, busy from folks working. Mm-hmm. But you live right. I would say you live, you're the parish house to the church that is Workman's <laughs> Cafe. You live yeah. right next door. Correct. But a lot of people that are listening to this are going to be like, stuff. She doesn't have a southern accent. And there that's because you have a lot more story than just living next door to the Workman's Cafe. You you went off. Yes. For a long time. Yes. And yes. and um you have a degree in photography? Correct. Yes. Yes. Can you talk about the moment when you you were called home? Oh, man. Uh, I was living in Ohio. I was in the process of buying a home because I just knew Middletown, Ohio was going to be my final home until I retired and then I would move back to Charleston. And this was in 2000, uh, the year 2000, when my mom called. I'm the youngest of eight. 
All of my brothers and sisters are married and living off and abroad with their families. And so my mom called me up one Sunday morning, which was traditionally our chatting time. And um, she said those three words only a mother can say to make you feel guilty. And what were they? I miss you. I said, oh, man. (laughs) I knew it was coming. But I did not know it was going to come that soon because I was not prepared to come back to Charleston. Mm-hmm. But long story short, it took me six months to finally move back to Charleston. Mm-hmm. And um, in the in that time, though, during those six months, my oldest brother called me up and said, he said, listen, anybody can move into that house with mother. Anybody can live there with her. But we all know that she wants you home. You know, and she's opening up that restaurant. We can go in there and help her, but she wants you there. And I think that was my deciding factor. Yeah. So I it took me six months, and it, which she didn't like. Wow. She, Why can't you come home now? <laughs> so food and family are inextricably linked, especially yes. with your immediate family, with your mom. Yes. So what? Was your mom known for? And th- I'm throwing a softball because I think I know the answer to this. But. She was known for uh, two things, her biscuits and her cornbread. Right. But um, primarily her biscuits, though. And I think that gift or talent has fallen on me, fallen upon me. I have two brothers that are very, very, very good at making her cornbread. Uh, theirs are a whole lot better than mine. But um, they can't make the biscuits. They, they and there's can't. no recipe. There is no recipe, and I've tried to school them on how to do it. Uh-huh. It come they they said it just looks like cookie all the t- cookies all the time. <laughs> well, she had this idea to open a restaurant, mm-hmm. um, and immediately upon arriving here, she was like, "Go for it." She did. <laughs> And yeah, she was yeah. like, "I had the idea. Now it's your turn." <laughs> right, right. When when I moved home, I came home in March because it took us nine months after I moved home to open the restaurant. When I moved home, the building itself was already here, but we had to a lot of things that she paid people to do was not done correctly. And it wouldn't have passed inspection. So Mm -hmm. we had to have someone come in to undo a lot of it and bring everything up to code. But, um, yeah, it was, I was working even before the cafe opened. I was up at seven in the morning and my days then didn't end until about six or seven in the evening. What kind of music? Do you listen to music when you're in there cooking? I do. Okay, what kind of music? I listen to a gospel show uh-huh. that's broadcasted on TuneIn Radio, but the station is in Raleigh, mm-hmm. in Raleigh, North Carolina. And um, it's a like a morning show, and they keep me laughing, because you know, and, and they play gospel music, and then they do some other things on the show, you know. But um, I listen to that, yeah. So that keeps you, keeps you stable in the kitchen. Right. And I, I think having the attitude that, um, whatever attitude you have while you're cooking, I think somehow that comes through somewhat in the food. I do. 
So I'm often asking that question. Um, haven't asked it in a while, but what has surprised you about this journey? Because you're in, we're going to talk about a transition that you can see on the road ahead of you. Mm-hmm. But what's really surprised you through being a business owner here, working on James Island, coming back? Has it really something really like that you didn't see coming? My biggest surprise is that I lasted this long. Yeah. And um, because I am known for working on the, on a job for about four years, maybe five years, and quitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I have lived in other than South Carolina. I've lived in four other states. That just shows you how you know how often I've quit jobs. I just grew weary. Yeah, I've been there. Huh? You know, I've, been there. <laughs> so, I've lived in multiple states oh too, gosh. but I'm trying really hard not to move again. I know, and it's hard. And what's keeping me rooted here is because my family's here, right? But um, many times after my mom passed in '04, many times I wish I'd just left. I wish I had taken my share of our my inheritance and just went someplace else. Um, but that's the biggest thing that's really shocked me is that I, I've lasted this long in this business. Mm-hmm. And I think the main thing that kept me here, kept me going, is that I was determined not to quit. You know, I was right. like, don't let this be one of the things you give up on now. You got to. And it's so sick. It's as successful as it's always been. It's yeah. even more successful it now. Is. It is. And it's just growing, growing, growing. Yeah. Um, and you're known, like I said, for your ribs and your pork chops. What are some of the other dishes that, besides the biscuits? The uh, mac and cheese. Well, yeah. The mac and cheese. <laughs> and, and the lima beans. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will tell you this. I, I was paid the ultimate compliment that trumps all compliments. And there was a family visiting from another state. They had a five-year-old with them. Beautiful little boy, blue eyes, blonde hair. And his mom said, go on and tell the lady, tell her what you told me. He was bashful. And she said, tell her what, what you told me. He peeked from behind her. He said, you have the best mac and cheese and fried chicken ever. I threw my hands up in the air and I said, that's it. That's, That's it. it. I won. <laughs> I won the world because children, I'm telling you, they are the worst critics when it comes to fried chicken and mac and cheese. <laughs> if they don't like it, you know you're done. Mm-hmm. You're done. So when he said that, I said, oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm good. So good. let's dig in since it is a food show. Just a minute. For okay. The mac and cheese. Okay. Now, um, can you, obviously, we're not asking for the recipe, mm-hmm. but what's a tip you can give us when we're making mac and cheese? I can't make it inside mm-hmm. my house because it <laughs> it goes in my body and it doesn't go in the fridge. I know. So I, know, I, I can, I know. my mom makes really amazing mac and yeah. cheese. And so she'll send me home with it, a couple right, of portions, right. but that's it. Like, I can't do it from scratch because I don't have multiple people to eat it. Right, right. Um, but there are a lot of people that are listening that do. Right. So what's a tip you can give them? One tip that I will say is that I use eggs. And a lot of folks didn't know that I put eggs in my mac and cheese. 
And um, from what I've read online, it just depends on what you like. In my opinion, the eggs hold, it's the glue that holds everything together. With the eggs, I whip my eggs in a separate bowl. I mean, I don't whip it like I'm trying to make a meringue, but mm-hmm. I, I use whole eggs. But I whip it enough just to get it um, a little bit fluffy. Mm-hmm. And I stir it in the macaroni. But by the time I put my eggs in, the macaroni itself has cooled down. So I've already, I've Honestly speaking, there are only five ingredients in my mac and cheese. Just the macaroni, the butter, the milk, um, salt, and the shredded cheese. And the gospel morning show. The gospel morning show, yes. (laughs) Did I say eggs? So, But I put everything in, the eggs and the salt. Mm -hmm. It's the last thing I put in. So the first thing I put in would be the butter. Mm Mm-hmm. As soon as it comes off of the stove. And I've heard some people say that they drain the water off of their macaroni. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I don't drain the water off of my macaroni. Mm-hmm. So I just put the butter in and um, the that, heat. Oh, there you go. Right. That's a tip right there. Yeah. And then I let the heat, you know, melt, it, melt the butter. Yeah. And then I pour in my milk. And the milk helps cool it down. See, so by, and then I put in. My eggs, after mm-hmm. I whipped it, I put the eggs in. And then the shredded cheddar. It's just better if you make it. <laughs> so I've been told <laughs> by my family, every Thanksgiving, I mean, I made the mistake one Thanksgiving, and I had one of my sisters, because I'm responsible, of course, for making, creating the the uh, menu for Thanksgiving. So I, I love had, how you say, of course. Of course. <laughs> and uh, so I had one of my sisters make the macaroni and cheese. Uh-huh. And some of them pulled me aside, and they said, Aunt Angie, please don't do that again. <laughs> I said, do what? If you could have just seen the looks on their faces, they said, you know you're the only one to make the mac and cheese around here. Don't, 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 don't. Don't delegate don't, it. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> and my nieces are, at that time, they were in their 20s and 30s. And so ever since then, and that was probably 10 years ago, Mm-hmm. No one else has made the mac and cheese. Well, I know you're a creative person, mm-hmm. and I get that because I'm creative too. And mm-hmm. sometimes it feels super stuck, right? You're mm-hmm. like, maybe I don't want to make mac and cheese. <laughs> I would like to make something else. You don't put something on a menu, or you want to try something mm-hmm. on a menu. Mm-hmm. And I know that you've tried things before, and you you mix it up occasionally. You have to be real gentle with your customers, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. I because I have some diehard customers, and they can tell when I've changed something. And I I tell them all the time I appreciate their honesty. I'm not one of those people that believe that I do everything right the first time. I'm always right. I'm open to criticism because I'm open to learn. And after all, if they're not happy with what I serve, they're not going to buy it. I'm not going to make any money. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I have some customers that will tell me, no, that, that, no. Is there anything that you wish that you could cook for the restaurant that you just know won't sell? Pasta. Other than mac and cheese, spaghetti. Mm-hmm. Because I love, I love pasta. Mm-hmm. But most of my customers are men, and from my experience, 
a lot of men don't like pasta unless it's mac and cheese. They don't see that as pasta. It's a side. In it's the a, side. Right, right. It's a meat and three. It's one of the three. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Interesting. Yeah. So it's it's been a lot longer than four years. And so I we've talked a couple times over the last few months, mm-hmm. and you mentioned I am. I'm getting near the end here for sure. And now you feel like you've kept your commitment. Yeah. But what's next for Workman's Cafe? By the time I walk out of the door, then I will have a full staff in here. We will be serving dinner as well. And then we will have a full, a full menu on Saturdays only where we will be serving or full hours, I should say. We will be serving breakfast, lunch and dinner. More time for biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's my goal. That's my ultimate goal. I want to start serving dinner. And um, I have tried serving breakfast before, but I did after six months I stopped because it was just getting to be too much for me. Right. You know, I was doing it only on Saturdays, so. Right. But, um, but you're a one-woman show. Right. I mean, that's right. a lot. It is. Yeah. 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 And then you have to be in there because you can't cook the eggs ahead of time, you know, unless because not everybody's going to eat scrambled eggs. Right, right. Okay. Um, I did shrimp and grits. So it's it's just certain items that I had on the menu. It had to be prepared to order. Mm-hmm. Excited about that because I have a recipe for pancakes that was handed to me from my childhood by the neighborhood babysitter. Man, that woman cooked everything from scratch. She taught me a lot about cooking as well. That's great. So yeah. What I'm was anxious. her name? Her name was Viola Major. That's a great name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Viola Major was her name. And believe it or not, when she passed away, she and her husband were married almost seventy years. Wow. She passed away I would say about twenty years ago. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it's going to be Viola's pancakes. Viola's pancakes. Oh man, that sounds good uh, already. She, she, I'm also yeah. hungry. So, <laughs> yeah, so am but I. what else is new? <laughs> That's exactly. why you go into food writing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. To make yourself hungry. Oh That's my gosh. Right. Yeah. So okay, you will transition. Yes. Yeah, and then you won't be behind the stove anymore, and you won't no. be behind the cash cash register anymore. So what's making you hungry? What's that next phase promising you? What I'm looking forward to um, after I walk out of here, I have a bucket list. It's not much of a bucket list. You can always add to it. Well, yeah, because uh, <clears throat> I, I, love, oh, I love road trips. Mm-hmm. I love it. And when I lived away from home in Ohio and Indiana, I drove home all the time. And so my one on my bucket list, one I have three trips, and one is I would love to drive across country. I would love to visit Northern California, and um, I just I just want to get out there and explore America as much as as much of America as I can explore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have some people that say they would love to travel the world. I always believe America has so much more I can learn from. You know, I mm-hmm. can. I don't mind. Doing get out work. that camera again. Oh yes! Oh my gosh! Take my oh man! Take my camera out, and then also get to experience how other people cook. 
Right. You know, right. and look for the small places like right, this, right, right, on right. the road. Yeah, it yep. sounds like my job. Or it was until six months ago. <laughs> no, I can't leave the state. Thank oh, you, yeah. South Carolina. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is a specific job, and there's got to be an aspect of this job that really meshes, like a puzzle piece clicks, mm-hmm. like a puzzle piece with mm-hmm. an aspect of your personality. What is that? The cooking. The cooking. That's all I can. I mean, I love the customers. Okay, mm-hmm. don't don't misunderstand me. I love the customers. I, I I appreciate them to the point where I sometimes have customer appreciation day. Oh, that's nice. I just had three of them in June, and um, but and that is some a specific customer that gets that appreciation. No, all of the customers. Oh, I love it. All of the customers. Yeah, when I did it for the 3 days, I did it 3 Wednesdays and or 3 Tuesdays, I'm sorry, in a uh-huh. row. And one day I did um free dessert and iced tea. And another day I did um something else free. Mhm. And uh um, Uh-oh, hold on. Hold on a minute. Hi. I'm closed on Mondays. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. You're welcome. We're going to leave that in. I'm sorry. It's like the third time people have come in. I've only been here for a half hour. <laughs> but it's, it's the food. Being in the kitchen, it's like my sister said, you know, when my family, when we all get together for a meal, they all come here. All right. So when we were in the kitchen, one sister, I have three sisters and four brothers. So one sister will tell everybody else, now you need to do what Angie says because this is her domain. Okay. <laughs> we don't want to mess up anything because I made the mistake once and I used the wrong cutting board. Oh. And she told me, don't use that cutting board. <laughs> and so I had to, I said, I'm sorry. That's just a habit. I have to follow their guidelines. I have to follow. Mm hmm. And so they were not upset with me, but they thought it was just so funny right? that, you right. know, I had, I made them adhere to these guidelines, but the cooking is what really meshes with my personality because when I have customers come in, especially first time, first time customers, they'll come in and um, I always try to recognize them because I want to ask them, I want to know how did they enjoy the food? And um, if they say, well, I really enjoyed it. everything. It was just good. That was the best whatever that I've ever had. I mean, and I've had some say, oh, man, this reminds me of my grandma's table, my grandma eating at my grandma's table. And I will tell them, thank you so much because I love what I do. Mm-hmm. And then they will respond, I can taste the love in your food. That's so right. There's an old gola. There's an old gola um, saying that said, you put your foot in this. Yes, yes. Right? Yes. So yes. I think that, that that's really what yes. that's referring to. Correct? And I've, I've had quite a few tell them, oh, my God, girl, you put your foot in there. And I would tell them, no, I put both in there. I, just, <laughs> I did like Lucy did on the Lucy show, Lucille Ball show. I just walked, mashed those grapes and... <laughs> But yeah, I love I love cooking, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. my family laughs at me, and they tell me I'm crazy for getting up at five in the morning to make sure some people have lunch at twelve. 
But you'll still be cooking, even when yeah. you won't be here. Yeah, yeah, they'll make sure I cook. Yeah, I know. You yeah, s- we all know you still got to make the mac and cheese at Thanksgiving. Got to make right? them. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So, what's keeping you up at night? Nothing. Good. Because at 9 30, my eyes start getting heavy and I'm making my way to my bedroom. But unfortunately, Maybe fortunately, around my eyes pop open the same time every morning, around 3.30. And I lay there, and then I'll get up at about 5. Um, what keeps my brain going? Looking for new ways to improve the cafe, improve the menu. Um, something I've just started and is catching on, and a lot, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting good feedback from it. Every Tuesday is Potluck Tuesday. And they don't know what's going to, what the potluck is until I, mm-hmm. after I've opened. So I post it. And so far I've done shrimp fried rice, crab fried rice, okra fried rice, bourbon glazed salmon. And last week I did uh, shrimp stroganoff. Nice. And that received the rave reviews. But the one thing with the, potluck is that I only cook enough for maybe 10 servings. So once it's gone, it's gone. So this week I'm going to do chicken bog. Oh yeah, chicken bog. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to- I'll, I'll take an order of crab fried rice right now. That's I'll so- use me both. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, with some fried fish on Oh, mm, on the side. <laughs> yes. Okay, we've got to stop. I have to keep going. Oh, no. <laughs> Which it brings me to my next question. I I know what's going to be in my picnic basket right now, crab fried rice. But um, <laughs> I have a magic picnic basket. Mm-hmm. I can time travel. Mm-hmm. I can go back and get any kind of food or anybody to make any kind of food for right. you. I can I can script any chef, current or past, to do that. Source mm-hmm. and cook a little bit. I do make biscuits, but I'm not going to try to compete with yours. <laughs> So I will make a pound cake if you need me to. Oh, but sounds good to other, me. other than that, <laughs> I want to know what is going to be in that picnic basket that I bring you. If I were to cook it or if I was to have someone else prepare it. What's your dream meal that you don't have to cook? Oh, my dream meal? And I, my niece and I just had this discussion last week or a few weeks ago. A lot of people think because I cook for a living that one, they don't invite me to their home because they're afraid that I won't like their food. Two, uh, they have to go above and beyond for me. And I told my niece, I said, my dream meal, believe it or not, is fried or baked chicken, homemade mashed potatoes with gravy, and green beans. And you can give me iced tea to drink, and I'm good. I'm good. I told her, I don't need... You know, when you, if, so if you invite me over to your house, you give me a simple meal. You can throw hot dogs and, and french fries or hamburger and french fries. I'm good because I see the other food every week. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you give me something simple, you can put a hamburger and a hot dog and some french fries in front of me. Make sure the fries just came, just came out of the grease. I'm good. Yeah, ketchup, no ketchup. And ketchup, oh yes, yes. always plenty ketchup. of it. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Well, if people want to learn more about Workman's Cafe, you can go to thesouthernfork.com. Okay, we are going to have images there of 
Angie, as well as the restaurant. If you like what you hear, there are close to 200 episodes in the archives. The easiest way to make sure that you can access that whenever you want is to hit the subscribe button. It helps all of us, including people like Angie. Um, Grimble Road is off the beaten path, but sounds like it's on the on beaten the path beaten right really. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. But um, there are small places filled with great food and even better people and their stories all over the United States. And Andrew's going to be looking for them. Yep. So I hope you're going to look for them too. So cool. thank you so much for my having me today. Mine. I have you. to hide my car better next time. <laughs> <laughs> so people keep thinking that's open. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Talking With My Mouthful. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this idea that um, I'm going to talk about today. Definitely over the past week or so because um, it was my birthday. And I am, well, I mean, you know, I'm middle-aged and I think I'm okay with that, at least sometimes. And one of the ways that makes me okay with it is that I'm really trying to live my life. You know, I'm trying to like live and (laughs) whatever that means with intention, with mindfulness, with making choices instead of being uh, reactive, all those kinds of things. Now, of course, I don't always do that well, but I think it's so interesting. When I was editing this podcast, this episode, I heard Angie reimagining her next chapter, and I thought, gosh, isn't it so wonderful to be able to reimagine your life? And I know that right now we're all in a forced reimagination of our lives, or at least some of us are taking this time to consider these ideas. But when you're a kid, when you're little, there's that question, right? What are you going to be when you grow up? At least in American society, what are you going to be when you grow up? And of course, it's good to choose something because you have to start somewhere. Um, As my friend David Boatwright says, the work leads to the work. So you have to start with the work, right? But it's always an option to choose again. And I've reimagined my life a lot. I mean, and and not always to success. And also, um, you know, not always to the joy of everybody involved in my life. I've gone through jobs and relationships and houses and locations, all kinds of things. But I think there's something to it. If you can calibrate somewhere in the middle of that pendulum swing, um, there is a great freedom in saying, what would happen if I didn't do blank anymore? And so I'm really thrilled that I got the chance to chat with Angie at this moment and her time and her life. And anyway, that's my thought for today. Reimagination, birthdays. I hope that you're hanging in out there and uh, 
If you haven't signed up for my newsletter, I just sent one out today. So go to thesouthernfork.com and you can click on that and sign up. And I'm very accessible on email and definitely on Instagram. So feel free to reach out and I will talk with you next time. Okay. You've been listening to The Southern Fork. I can't wait to bring you more culinary conversations, but in the meantime, I have one question. Are you going to eat all that? <laughs>